Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts, Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. And welcome to episode number 54 of the Latvia Weekly Podcast. I am Joe Horgan, your host for the night. Uh, my co-host, Otto Tabuns, is still over in New York right now, so um, we decided not to do the show remotely as we've done before uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, our schedules don't line up at all because, you know, both of us are pretty busy and and also uh, there's the time zone difference. But the other reason is that it's surprisingly difficult to get reliable uh, Wi-Fi over there, apparently, and uh, we've had this problem before. So uh, instead, Otto and uh, Olevs, who is another co-host who's uh, who's uh, been with us before, um, they from New York, recorded the international section and also a very special week in history, which we'll talk about in just a minute, actually. And instead, I am joined from Leopaya by Mr. Chris Ockenfelds, who, if you guys have listened to the show before, uh, you will definitely recognize him. He is a Latvian Australian who's living in Leopaya right now. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hello, Joe. How are you tonight? I am doing pretty well, um, but I will be perfectly honest the weather is really starting to get me down. How, how do you feel about the weather right now, Chris? I'm actually going to go the other way. Look, um, having lived in Latvia before in years gone by, I was expecting November to be a lot colder than it is. But here in Leopaya, typical temperatures were getting every day around 8 degrees. And honestly, seriously, by Latvian standards at this time of the year, that's not cold. You only have to put on a jacket, some gloves, and you're okay. And... The windy city of Leopaya hasn't even really had much wind lately, and the rain has just been intermittent sprinkles. So, to be honest with you, I really could not complain about the weather here. I'm actually quite impressed. Well, I'm, I'm actually fine with the cold. Um, I, I actually kind of wish it was a little bit colder, because then we might actually get some snow. Uh, so, it's been in the high you know, single digits, low double digits. So for those of you who live in the world of Fahrenheit, kind of in like the high 40s, like low 50s, something like that. Um, but for me, it's it's just been this kind of endless gray drizzle rain. Uh, last week, we were talking about that it was raining cats and dogs almost every single day, which, uh, you know, thank you for those of you who wrote in afterwards and uh, discussed, you know, whether or not uh, that phrase cats and dogs is used. Um, um, but Chris, I would say this week, instead of cats and dogs, it was raining more like, I don't know, squirrels and chipmunks or something, you know, like something kind of smaller. <laughs> That's right. It's yeah. funny, on the topic of the raining cats and dogs thing, um, it is an expression that's actually quite in vogue in Australia, and it's still used. And my dad, who was a Latvian, he liked to use it because he was always fascinated by figures of speech used in English and figures of speech that were popular in Australia, and he used it. So when I heard your co-host last week use that expression, I was sitting here giving a little thumbs up and thinking it was really nice to hear a native Latvian actually use that expression. Yeah, well... Luckily, for those of you who um, are a little bit fed up with the rain over here in Latvia, uh, I've got some pretty good news because uh, right now we're going to do the weather for Leopaya in Chris's honor. So usually we do the weather for a different part of Latvia each week, um, which we call into. So uh, Chris, uh, Thursday, which is tomorrow for us, um, today for most of you who are listening, it's going to be 12 degrees, a low of 4. Uh, it's going to be um, showers most of the day, about a 62% chance of rain. Friday, pretty similar, okay, showers throughout the day, kind of the same as it's been, 9 degrees during the day, 6 at night, but then Saturday, we drop down to just a 23% chance of rain, still going to be pretty cloudy, Um, but then on Sunday, uh, 10 degrees during the day, 6 at night, Uh, mostly cloudy, but we will see the sun, or at least you will see the sun, Chris, because uh, the weather for Leopaya is uh, definitely always a little bit different than it is for uh, Yelgova and and, and Riga. Just a 25% chance of rain. And then Monday, finally, the sun will pop out. It will be just a 1% chance of rain, 10 degrees during the day, 7 at night. And then Tuesday, 10 during the day, 4 at night, and uh, only a 10% chance of rain. And then uh, that should bring us just about into the next episode. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot to discuss. And uh, the first thing which we should get into right now is that on Monday, so again, we're recording this uh, Wednesday evening, on Monday, we had a very special national holiday, and that is the day of Lachplacidiana. And that is a day that um, Otto and Olevs are going to explain in a bit more detail at the end of the show. 
Uh, but basically, for those of you who are unaware, it's uh, celebrating the biggest military victory in Latvian history. Uh, this was when the independent Latvian army was able to drive back uh, the uh, combined uh, German and uh, white Russian army that was uh, invading Riga. And um, this basically major battle uh, was uh, one of the kind of major moments in the War of Independence and, and eventually led to uh, the um, permanent establishment of the Latvian state. Uh, very, very important day. And uh, so one of the ways that it's celebrated, and Chris, I know you saw this in Liepaja. Uh, we had one of these in uh, Yelgava, and they're kind of all throughout Latvia, is uh, these uh, torch-lit processions or these kind of torch marches. And I just want to mention to everybody out there, especially American listeners, who may have seen pictures of these or you know, might, might have been in Latvia and wondering what in the world is this going on. Um, in, so in America and in, in a lot of other kind of uh, places, maybe in Western Europe, there's this association between torch-lit processions and uh, the kind of like far-right movement, maybe the Nazi movement. And uh, I just want to make perfectly clear, this is not the association that most people in Latvia have with these torch-lit processions. Uh, we have these on the um, 11th of November and then also the 18th of November. So when you see these pictures of, you know, old ladies and young kids, you know, uh, holding these torches, you know, don't be worried that there's this massive fascist movement growing in Latvia. Uh, now, however, the uh, the Kremlin, you know, uh, Russian propaganda, they love to take these images and show that, you know, uh, try, try to push this narrative that Nazism is on the rise in Latvia. Um, but I, you know, that, that's just definitely not the case that, you know, the different... You know, uh, cultural traditions mean different things in different uh, places, of course. So I just wanted to kind of point that out for those of you who might have had some confusion about that. Uh, but Chris, uh, did you uh, did you see any of these events happen in Leopai? Were you able to attend anything over there? Yeah, unfortunately, Joe, I was working at the time and my work hours sort of tend to coincide with things like this happening. But when I was uh, riding my bicycle home from work, I certainly saw a lot of people walking around with their torches who were probably leaving various uh, commemorative events, people with various illuminated, I don't know what you'd call them, like various devices that were lit up using uh, battery power. Uh, and I saw various places where torches were planted in the ground. So definitely it was uh, commemorated here. And I knew people who attended various events around town. Now, uh, one very interesting thing. So, as I mentioned, uh, the 11th of November is not an official free day. Okay, so it's a very important day. And unfortunately, you know, since it wasn't an official free day, Chris and I weren't able to attend events because uh, I had to teach at the university. You had to teach at your school. Um, you know, of course, you know, a, a lot of students asked if they could go early to um, go to these events. And of course, you know, I have a bleeding heart. So, uh, you know, for, for most of them, I allowed it. Uh, but there has been some talk that the 11th of November could become an official free day. And uh, now this wouldn't be a completely new free day in the Latvian calendar because there's already been, you know, some controversy about how many free days Latvia has compared to, you know, other countries in Europe. And uh, the talk has been that, and, and this was discussed in Saima already even, that uh, the 1st of May, which is a free day in Latvia for uh, kind of International Labor Day, uh, that could be cancelled as an official free day and that it could be moved to the 11th of November instead, since that is more kind of specifically a, a Latvian-related holiday. And uh, Chris, I'm very curious because uh, I, I kind of sent you out as a as a special correspondent because uh, you're the kind of person who loves to talk to people. And uh, so I, I sent you out to talk to uh, some of your colleagues, students, you know, different people in Leopaya, uh, you know, also some people online. And what are people saying about this idea? What is the, uh, the 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 populace um, saying about this uh, idea to make the 11th of November a holiday at the expense of the 1st of May. Well, Joe, I've talked to a quite quite a few people here in Leopire about this, and I know my the results of my discussions with people is probably a product of who I meet during the day. But to be quite honest with you, the idea doesn't have a lot of support. Like even amongst some uh, Latvian people I know here who are very proud, patriotic Latvians, maybe even quite nationalistic Latvians, um, the, the idea really isn't supported. Um, one person I spoke to, she took the view that this is just a Saima and a bunch of politicians talking as politicians always do. She said this is not the first time the Saima has discussed this. It probably won't be the last. And she personally said that she doesn't see the need for it. She said it just be... 
it's possible to commemorate an event without it being a holiday from work. And she took that view that's unnecessary and she just viewed it as a bunch of politicians talking, possibly to divert attention from some other issue. Another person I spoke to, she took the more pragmatic view that we have a major holiday on the 18th of November, which is Latvia's National Day. It is the big day. It's the numero uno day for Latvians. And she took the view we don't need another day here in November. She also took the view 11th of November is typically a cold day, whereas the 1st of May is in spring and it's nicer. And she thought she would rather have her holiday on the 1st of May where it's nicer weather rather than move that holiday to the 11th of November for no really good reason. Um, and I've also spoken to other people who took the view that while we should always respect and commemorate people who fought for Latvia and helped protect this country and establish it, the people who were there at the time have passed away a long time ago, whether as some people take the view that Labor Day refers to the rights of the working people and workers, and this is, more, this is present and it's in the now and it deals with issues that are happening now. And they take the view that Labor Day is not something we should just throw away as if it's somehow not important or not relevant. Uh, but overall, there's a general feeling of why change everything? Like the view is that I've encountered is that it's okay as it is and there's no need to be moving public holidays around or changing anything. Hmm. That's that's very interesting because um, that's actually not necessarily what I would have expected to hear. Um, you know, because, uh, you, you know, you might kind of assume there, there's always this... Um, tendency that, that you hear that, uh, you know, we, we want to do away with different, um, you know, Soviet traditions, for example, things are, uh, you know, associated with Soviet times, uh, for example, but, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's never necessarily as simple as you think. And, you know, that's interesting that, you know, um, you because you can also argue, for example, well, that in May, you know, the, the 4th of May, just a few days later is also a free day. So, uh, but, but you're right, May is usually nicer weather here in Latvia than it is in uh, November, because, uh, you know, I, I can, yeah. uh, as we well, just talked like- for a while. Talk, one person I spoke to did take the view that uh, they felt that the 1st of May has a very Soviet feel to it and they would rather a more Latvian holiday and the 11th of November would have a more Latvian feel to it. But the same person also recognised that the Labor Day is a tradition that very much started off in the United States, but there's still that feeling that this particular Labor Day is possibly more Soviet-inspired than American-inspired. And so the person I spoke to had a little bit of a view of that. Another person I have, he's uh, perhaps a friend of mine. He's a little bit left of centre. He's a little bit more social democratic in his view. He feels that Labor Day is very politically significant and it should definitely not be abandoned. Well, um, anyway, we will see what the result of this is. You know, as as one of your colleagues already mentioned, you know, this is something that's been discussed before and it will probably not be the last time it's discussed either. So uh, we will keep an eye on, um, you know, what, uh, what happens with that. Um, Next story I wanted to mention, and and I wanted to kind of start with a story, but you know, of course, Lodge Place Diana is is uh, you know the, the the main thing that we need to start with. Um, but uh, this is very very sad news, and I was also a little bit sad that this wasn't bigger news because uh, when I heard this news, for example, I was listening to uh, Latvia's radio on on the uh, as I was driving home from work. Uh, last week, and it was like the fourth story, and I thought maybe I misheard it or something, and you know, like like maybe I'm not hearing this right. But this is that um, the legendary Latvian artist uh, Gemma Skulme has died at the age of 94, and uh, Gemma Skulme is just a, a, an unbelievable force in the Latvian um, painting world and the Latvian um, uh, art world. Uh, she was a modernist painter who, uh, you know, if you've ever seen her work before, it is very very um, Im- impressive in a way that it really, uh, you know, le- leaves you with um, very, very strong um, emotions. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not like an art critic, an art person. I'm, I have no art education whatsoever. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've, I've always uh, really enjoyed her work. And uh, for those of you who are music fans as well, um, she also um, kind of recently did the, uh, all, you know, all of the album art for uh, Instrumentees last uh, two albums and uh, you know really great work even all the way up until um, you know the well she she died at the age of uh, 94 you know so um, you know I, I think part of the reason why this wasn't kind of bigger news is that you know um, you know she, she did live a very uh, long life and uh, you know that's a very ripe old age but still you know I, I um, think that she didn't quite get the respect uh, from the news cycle that I think she was due but Anyway, Chris, um, were, were you able to talk to anyone about uh, Gemma Skolme? 
Yes, and I really have some sad news because a lot of the people I talk to tend to be in a younger age group. Not all of them are, but a lot of them are. Um, the mention of her name really drew a blank amongst a lot of people and people were quite apathetic about it, which is very sad because she was within the Latvian scope, a leading modernist painter and her artwork was considered quite experimental in its day too. Um, I guess you could say living to 94, to use an, an expression we have in Australia, she had a very good innings. An innings is an expression that comes from the sport of cricket. I don't know if the British use that expression or not. I really don't know. But we would say she had a good innings in the fact that she lived to 94 and she achieved a lot in her life. But yeah, it was just a little bit sad to hear that she was just not as famous amongst the people I spoke to as perhaps she should be. Yeah, um, but but again, I mean, like among the uh, kind of art people I knew, like for example, uh, you know, every year with uh, my 12th graders, we do an assignment where they have to write a Wikipedia article. It's kind of like their kind of final project after the exam is done. And uh, one of my uh, 12th grade students, who's like a like a very big um, you know fan of art and does a lot of great art herself, um, she she chose uh, Gemma Schoolmay as her topic because uh, there, there's a lot of um, English Wikipedia articles about Latvia that are very kind of poor quality or, you know, haven't even been written yet. So she did uh, Gemma Schoolmay and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know actually that much about her before uh, she, she did that article and, um, you know, I, I, was, I was very, very impressed. So, um, you know, uh, our deepest sympathies are with uh, the family and friends of uh, Gemma Schoolmay and, uh, you know, again, huge loss to the uh, world of art. So the next story that we should get into um, this is a story that we've been covering ad nauseum every single week. Uh, something that you know some some of you might be getting a little bit sick of, but you know again uh, every every week there's always uh, something new to report on, and this is you know really one of the major policy changes of the last few years. You know something that really has a big effect on a lot of people in a lot of places in Latvia, and this is on regional reform. And uh, there's kind of two major developments that happen. So first of all, uh, Saima um, voted to conceptually approve the uh, regional reform. So that doesn't mean that it will be um, 100% uh, you know, like a, in, in, in law yet, but, um, but there has been a uh, kind of a conceptual agreement for this. And uh, there, so this is the first reading. The second reading um, will be uh, sometime in mid-December uh, if uh, things go forward. And again, this is a uh, plan to decrease the amount of municipalities in Latvia from uh, 119 as it currently is down to just 39. And uh, again, you know, the main uh, argument behind this is that there's just too many municipalities in Latvia, that it's very inefficient, uh, that uh, the resources could be more um, uh, efficiently spent if there was a lower amount of municipalities. This is something that Estonia did uh, a few years back. Uh, but, you know, the there's a lot of fears about this because, you know, first of all, for smaller municipalities, they're worried that their tax money could go to the big regional centers. And, you know, cities aren't so happy about this either because they feel that, well, now we have to use our tax money to, you know, pay, pay, the, road, pay for the roads in these very rural areas where just a few people live. Uh, Chris, I know that you have talked to people about this extensively. Um, what is the current word on the street right now about uh, regional reform for people that you've been talking to? It varies between people who think it absolutely has to happen who take the view that it's ridiculous that a small country like Latvia with a small population like Latvia is carved up into so many municipalities that all have their own little municipal apparatus. So there's some people who think, yes, this has got to happen because it's inefficient, it's expensive, and it serves no purpose. On the other hand, you've got the people who are apathetic and they take the view, no one cares, I don't care, who cares, this is just politicians talking. And then you've got the people who are passionately opposed to it. And this tends to be your smaller municipalities who feel that they are going to suffer. They're going to lose their finances. They're going to lose their voice. Um, I definitely can. I know personally the people of Alsunga are not at all happy about this. They feel they will lose their voice and particularly their community is unique. And it's um, it's like a culture that's, um, you know, been protected by the United Nations uh, they're definitely not at all happy about it, and I know there's others. So it's like anything, you're never gonna, it's never going to be a simple situation. You're never going to make everybody happy no matter what you do, and I'm expecting this to continue to be a very contentious, controversial thing for quite some time, even after it goes ahead, if it goes ahead. 
Yeah, just uh, going off of that, uh, anecdotally, I can mention that you know some of my colleagues here in Yelgova, uh, you know, I, I kind of heard them talking about this. I, I didn't really participate in the conversation, but uh, you know, they, they also took this attitude of like, well, you know, give me a break. Uh, you know, the, the, this kind of big uh, protest by some of these local governments, specifically, you know, Yelgova as well. The mayor of Yelgova, Andres Ravinch, has been very uh, vocally opposed to the regional reform, especially because Yelgova will lose its um, official Republican city status. Uh, right now, there is uh, nine Republican cities, and uh, after the reform, uh, only uh, Riga, um, Resigne, and Liepaja and uh, Daugopils will uh, keep this uh, official uh, city, uh, Republic, uh, city of the Republic status. Um, Yormala will also remain its own uh, territory. I'm not sure if they will officially keep their status. I'm, I actually haven't heard about that yet. Uh, not that I think it really matters a whole lot to them, uh, but uh, still you know, the, the, the kind of attitude was like, well, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen is that, uh, you know, a, a bunch of, um, you know, deputies are going to lose their jobs and they'll have to go, you know, find some something else to do. Uh, so, yeah, you, you know, like you said, uh, there's been a wide variety of responses, I think, uh, among the public, depending on who you talk to and where you talk. Uh, but there was a major, um, well, I don't know if you can really say a major demonstration, but there was a demonstration outside of Saima uh, the day that this vote uh, happened. This was on, um, I believe it was Thursday, because I was actually in Riga at the time. I was at a conference with some students, and we drove by and we saw um, you know, the, the different picketers uh, you know, with their signs. But it doesn't really seem like uh, there, there was much an effect on Saima. So, you know, again, though, uh, this plan has changed a few times. There you know, originally were just um, something around 35 new municipalities. Now it's gone up to 39, you know, so uh, so they have, um, you know, listened to the concerns of um, some of the regions. But again, like you said, Chris, not everybody's going to be happy at the end of the day. So, yeah, well, it's like I remember um, when I was still cycling around Latvia, I camped by a lake called uh, Aklaizazers. And another a Latvian cyclist pulled up where I was camping and he was the only person there. His name was Normans. So I got talking to him. And we got onto the topic of controversial issues in Latvia, and he had this uh, one man's opinion that it's in the Latvian national character to complain about everything. Now, I think you could say that of any nation, but he had the view, we Latvians like to complain. And he told me not to take too much notice when Latvians complain about things, because he said, we just do this because we have to. But he believes things like this will go ahead and then everyone will say nothing afterwards. Well, um, one other kind of major issue, and th- this was a protest on the same exact day, and I think this is something that people feel a lot more strongly about, at least a bigger um, segment of the Latvian population, and this has to do with um, the uh, salary of uh, medical workers here in the country, and uh, which is relatively low compared to other uh, countries in the area, has led to a crisis where a lot of people who are graduating from uh, doctor programs, you know, um, the me- me- medical study programs here in Latvia are going to other countries. And uh, so, so there was another demonstration on the same day outside of Saima. Uh, now, Saima has, uh, and, and the government have uh, shown a willingness, I think, a, a little bit more to um, try to address those concerns. Uh, so uh, they, they did already um, uh, decide to allocate an extra 18 million euros for uh, the medic's wages. Now, uh, Chris, I, I want to hear your um, uh, take on this in just a minute because uh, they're taking these 18 million euros away from a plan to open an Australian embassy, which is something that uh, you know has been talked about for a long time. And uh, there also have been you know uh, other promises uh, that that the um, uh, Wages will be uh, increased more in the uh, medium to long term, but uh, the uh, medics union and uh, they, they've not been uh, happy about the these uh, solutions, and they're going to continue this uh, kind of protest action, um, which is called lower the flag, light the candle. They're lowering the Latvian flag for a few days, lighting candles in uh, the different uh, establishments where they work, and uh, definitely they're. Um, you know, indicating that they're fed up because, um, you know, the uh, medical workers' wages have been low for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I, I do understand kind of how they feel because, you know, teachers have also been uh, protesting, complaining, you know, and, and we did, you know, kind of successfully get the, uh, you know, money that we were promised by the previous government so far, uh, but, but medics have not been uh, so uh, successful so far. So anyway, Chris, I, I want to hear your thoughts about this, specifically about the embassy and then also what people are saying about uh, the um, uh, protests in general? I can tell you on many issues where Latvians might be divided, 
from the people I spoke to, Latvians are absolutely 100% unanimous that doctors should have their wages improved and increased. Uh, I have not met a single person who said that doctors should not be getting more money. It's, this is one thing they totally agree on. Now, as you, as you know, like um, as a result of an agreement the government's made, the, basically they've postponed building a Latvian embassy in Australia. Now, I must admit, like, as you know, um, at, uh, during 1944, a lot of Latvians fled the Soviet advance into Latvia and many went to Germany and Denmark and places and they lived in Latvian displaced persons camps. And around 1949, 1950, 51, Australia in a very short space of time took about 20,000 Latvian refugees. And as a result in Australia now, there's a lot of people who were descended from Latvian parents, Latvian grandparents. There's been strong interest in the fact that they can actually get Latvian citizenship and Latvian passports. But the difficulty is there's no Latvian embassy in Canberra in Australia. So to apply for your citizenship, you either have to come to Latvia or you have to uh, go through a consul and the consuls are overloaded with work um, and they're just voluntary people. Uh, if you need a passport, you have to apply through the Latvian embassy in Tokyo and Japan. And meanwhile, the official Latvian ambassador to Australia is actually based in London, which is a long way away. So it's always been complex and the Latvian community definitely want Latvia to put an embassy in Australia. And it's something that's been on the drawing board for many years now. And we were all excited. We were very excited to hear they're going to build this embassy. But now hearing the money is being taken away from that to finance doctors, honestly, the opinion of people is, yes, it's sad there will not be a Latvian embassy in Canberra for a while now, but everyone agrees that doctors are more important. Yeah. And I have to say my own personal opinion is, yes, they are. An embassy, we can live without that. We won't all die. But doctors, they're the people who have the health of the population in their hands. And it would be so sad if Latvia were to lose its most intelligent, smartest, educated people who were there to work with issues of health and medical well-being of people, if they were all to leave to go to other countries to get higher pay because they're not being paid enough in Latvia. And I mean, you study for a long time to be a doctor. You expect to be paid well. In Australia, doctors are paid, in Australian dollars, they're paid the equivalent of over 160,000 euros per year. And even then, they have trouble filling those positions. And we have to request doctors to come from India and Malaysia and Vietnam to fill those positions. So really, if, if something is not done about this, people, people who've studied hard to become doctors in this country are going to pack up and leave and go elsewhere. And that will be a devastating thing for this country. I would place improving the income of doctors and all health professionals to be a very, very high national priority and everybody I've spoken to thinks exactly the same thing. Okay, well, uh, I think we should get into some rapid fire stories because we have uh, quite a few more uh, topics to cover and uh, we don't want to talk forever. Um, uh, so Chris, uh, the first story, which I want to get into, um, and I, I think, I think this is one that, um, kind of put a smile on your face a little bit because I, uh, know, know that you have some pretty strong opinions about this, uh, particular political party. So this is the Latvian Green Party. Uh, and I, I just want to kind of give a little bit of a background to the Latvian Green Party. So, uh, a lot of times you hear about this party called ZZS, which is, uh, the Union of Greens and Farmers. And this is a union that was created in the early 2000s between uh, two major parties, the Latvian Green Party and the Latvian Farmers uh, Union. And the Latvian Farmers Union goes all the way back before even the establishment of Latvian independence. Uh, in um, it, w it was formed in the uh, 1910s. And the Latvian Green Party uh, goes back all the way to the um, reestablishment of independence in the very early 90s. So these are two uh, quite old parties, you know, in, in terms of Latvian politics, uh, that came together in the year 2002. And uh, now, although you generally think of green, you know, green parties as uh, kind of uh, pro-social justice, uh, you know, generally kind of uh, liberal when it comes to uh, issues of social justice and and, and things like that. Um, it's actually quite a conservative party, and um, especially you know, in in the early 2000s, it was. Uh, uh, considered pretty amorphous is the word that I've heard used to describe them before in terms of their uh, political positions. And another reason why it's been quite controversial, the uh, general party of ZZS, 
um, is that they also have a cooperation agreement with the uh, For Events Pills Party, which is led by um, the oligarch uh, uh, Ivers Lembergs, who has also been the mayor of uh, Events Pills since 1988. Um, he is somebody who's been under investigation for a very long time. Uh, he's actually been blocked from serving as the mayor of Events Pills and has basically just ignored that order for quite a while now. Um, and the news is that the Latvian Green Party has finally been expelled from the European Green Party uh, for basically the reason that they're not actually a Green Party is what uh, the uh, European Green Party basically said. So uh, that they haven't been paying their dues, that they aren't really politically aligned in the same way. Uh, Chris, any surprise here? Uh, not in the least bit surprised. Um Look, my opinion is when I look at the policies of Green parties in various countries around the world, I don't think Latvia's Green Party has got the slightest thing to do with green politics. I, I just feel that their views and their worldview is completely incompatible with the Green parties in other countries. So it came as no surprise to me that they've been kicked out. Yeah, and uh, if, actually, if you look up the um, Latvian Green Party on Wikipedia, uh, they uh, have the term green conservatism. Uh, which which is is a legitimate um, you know political movement you know it does exist but uh, definitely not the kind of uh, green politics that you're used to so um, now you know for their part the Latvian Green Party said well basically we were already planning on leaving anyway and they specifically mentioned that their uh, flag is green white and green not the rainbow flag and this was uh, specifically in reference to uh, same sex marriage which the Latvian Green Party is uh, not in favor of as a party and, and also just kind of um, LGBT rights in general. So um, that, that's that been kind of a sticking point because European Green Party is uh, definitely uh, in, in favor of that as, as a whole. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't think much will really come out of that in terms of uh, the local uh, benefits for the Latvian Green Party. But, um, you know, that, that was something that definitely uh, kind of gave them uh, credibility uh, that they were part of the uh, European Green Party. So Probably not great news for them at the end of the day, no matter what they uh, are kind of saying about this. Um, another story that uh, was pretty shocking this week and uh, definitely got a lot of people talking. Uh, all the major news organizations picked up on this. And this is that Latvia had the highest homicide rate in the EU, which was five people per 100,000 in 2017. And um, if you look at the statistic, you can go to the English version of LSM. Uh, so uh, it's significantly higher than uh, the EU average and then also even uh, most of the other countries nearby. Uh, Lithuania had the second highest with uh, four per 100,000 and then Estonia in third place with 2.2. So the Baltic states had the highest uh, police recorded um, uh, intentional homicides is the official term that was used per 100,000 people. Uh, just for um, kind of reference, so uh, France had uh, 1.4. Uh, let's see, Germany's about uh, 0.9. Okay, uh, Ireland uh, also 0.9. Uh, so, uh, and then the, the UK was uh, divided into different groups. So, for example, England and Wales was uh, 1.2. Uh, so, Latvia is high above the average. Now, um, again, this is the kind of clickbait story that people love to, uh, you know, kind of um, discuss, freak out about, kind of give their um, you know, opinions about. But uh, in general, I, I just want to kind of say that uh, in, in my experience here in Latvia, first of all, uh, it has not been a uh, an unsafe place. I've never felt unsafe in, in Latvia or worried that I'm going to be shot or anything like that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a couple things to kind of, uh, you know, uh, keep in mind. You know, first of all, uh, there's, of course, different ways that different countries report these kind of statistics, um, you know, in terms of... Uh, you know, whether or not uh, something is uh, re reported as a homicide or as a different crime, you know, so uh, th th there's uh, definitely that to begin with. Um, Otto also wanted to mention, so I uh, checked with Otto to kind of get his take on this. And uh, he mentioned a few different points. So first of all, that there's a lot of uh, unfilled police vacancies, uh, that there's need for uh, probation reform, um, definitely need for a new jail also, so that uh, people who are incarcerated uh, for lesser crimes, are able to re-socialize and uh, not get involved with, uh, you know, uh, kind of the more kind of hardened criminals and and become uh, radicalized. And uh, so I, I think that uh, those are all good points. Uh, Chris, is there anything that you would like to add to the story? 
Yeah, from my point of view, like, as you know, I'm a mathematics graduate by background and I spent uh, over eight years working with the Australian Bureau of Statistics. So I'm quite aware of a lot of the underlying um, issues when you're producing statistical data. Now, not wanting to criticise Eurostat, and I must admit I haven't actually read what their methodology is, as I understand it, these are police-recorded offences. They're quoting what police records hold, and the definition of homicide can vary from country to country, and the quality of police reporting can vary. So there may be some discrepancies there. Look, as you said, um, when I walk down the street in Latvia, I sashay around here as if my life is one of the safest lives in the world. Like, I've often felt more threat to myself, safety back home in Australia and in places like France, etc. Latvia is not an intrinsically dangerous country for the average person to walk around. So um, it is possible that there may be some truth in Latvia having a higher than normal homicide rate, but I still approach this with a certain measure of scepticism, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I guess kind of at the end of the day. So if you are somebody listening who uh, wants to find out about Latvia, you're interested in moving here maybe or visiting here, and, uh, you know, you saw this statistic and you think, oh, my gosh, you know, do I really want to come here? You know, it, it sounds dangerous. Uh, you know, you know it, it, it's not. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's totally fine. Um, so, you know, I, I completely agree with Chris. I mean, I, I lived in, you know, one of the most dangerous parts of Riga for, you know, uh, basically three years, um, you know, Jengerlegs. And, you know, like my, my colleagues all the time would talk about, oh, my gosh, you live in Jengerlegs. I mean, I never once felt unsafe. You know, like, like, except for maybe no, like that's, that's three in the morning. See, the thing we have to look at, these are homicides per 100,000 inhabitants. Now, when you look at a figure like 100,000, the difference between, say, 5.6 people being killed and 1.7 is not really that big. It's not a vast difference. Like, if you look at a graph, it can look like, wow, look at this big bar at Latvia. But if you consider it's within 100,000 people, I don't think there's anything abnormal there. That's That's my honest opinion. This is not a country of gun-toting murderers. That's no. as simple as that. It's, it's, you're not in the same danger here that you might be in certain parts of Mexico or certain uh, dangerous suburbs of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil or something. Honestly, people, if you're thinking to come to Latvia, relax. It's as safe as the Bank of England to walk around here. <laughs> the Bank of England? That, that is a great analogy. I've never heard that one before. Is that an Australian expression? Safe as the Bank of England? Uh, it's an expression sometimes that comes up. If something's very safe, you say it's as safe as the Bank of England. Okay, interesting. In America, we say safe as Fort Knox, actually, or as secure as uh, Fort Knox, which is where all the gold used to be kept. Um, back when We, we, had the we have center. a similar expression, too, because we're well aware of Fort Knox. Yeah, that's another one you could throw in there. But I think the point is, for an ordinary person coming to Latvia who's not connected with the drug trade or anything else like that, the probability of you getting murdered by anyone here is so low, I wouldn't even bother factoring it into anything. No. Uh, anyway, uh, a couple more stories that I want to get into. Uh, this one, you know, was uh, sad to hear. I mean, like, I don't have uh, a TV. Well, I mean, okay, sorry. I do have a TV, but I don't have, like, a cable connection, uh, you know. So, you know, we, we watch TV ver, uh, via streaming as uh, a lot of kind of younger people are, are doing now. And, and, and even, you know, older people as well are, you know, doing a they call it cord cutting. Um, but uh, LNT, uh, which is uh, kind of a, uh, in, in English, something like a Latvian independent television, uh, they were one of the uh, major cable channels here in Latvia, and they are officially um, ceasing independent operations. So they are, they've already been owned by uh, this um, um, Swedish slash Baltic uh, media group called All Media Baltics or All Media Latvia in, in, in uh, Latvia's case. Uh, so, uh, and, and this is also the um, same company that owns TV3, which is uh, kind of a more successful um, TV station here. Uh, they generally come in first or second place in the ratings, uh, you know, uh, for, for most of their TV shows. Uh, so um, the, the decision has been to basically rebrand uh, Ellen Tay and um, some other TV stations that are owned uh, by them under the TV3 brand, and that um, basically the uh, news and the editorial um, section of LNT is going to be combined with TV3s. And the reason why this is so important is because basically, uh, out of all of the Latvian TV channels, you know, really the only channels with a um, editorial board with a news board, and you know, of course, we're talking Latvian-speaking channels. You know, have been um, Latvian Public TV, you know, LTV1. Um, TV3, and then LNT. So, 
you know, now all of a sudden the uh, diversity of editorial boards has been cut uh, by a third. So uh, when the uh, owner of TV3 acquired LNT back in 2012, they were required to keep the two um, editorial boards separate for at least five years. But now five years has uh, passed. And I, I think this is something that people expected for quite some time now. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think. I, I don't know how much of a TV watcher you are or the people who you uh, talk to um, really are. But uh, but what are people saying about the um, kind of uh, death of uh, LNT? You know, to, to be honest, I think a lot of people aren't too um, moved by it. I mean, in terms of complete media independence, I think almost anywhere we go in the world, completely independent media is as rare as hen's teeth. I mean, we have this problem in Australia. The media is carved up by a handful of extremely powerful businessmen, and there's not one of those media outlets that I would say is independent and impartial in how it does things. All of them have an angle. I think your former country, the United States, has this problem. You've got Fox News, which has a slight right-wing leaning. There's other news services, which are a little bit more to the left. Um, I don't think really... A lot of people really think this is going to change their lives a little bit, and no one's really expecting that this is going to be a, a monumental thing in Latvia because you know people don't really believe that the media is independent anyway. Well, uh, two economic stories that came up this week. Uh, first of all, the European Commission uh, predicted that Latvian, both the Latvian economy and the uh, European economy in general are going to continue growth uh, throughout the next couple of years. That is the prediction of the um, European Commission that was uh, uh, released on November 7th, according to uh, Latvian Public Media and a couple of other places. Um, so uh, the prediction is that it's going, the uh, growth is going to slow down to 2.5% in 2019, um, but, uh, but the growth will continue over the next few years. Uh, and then there was also this report um, by Swedbank that uh, the Latvian economy is experiencing a broad Based slowdown. So, Chris, what what is your general sense about the Latvian economy right now? Because generally, people like to complain about the economy and say that it's not great. Uh, you know, it's especially kind of on in day to day things. So, we we uh, Otto and I report on these statistics all the time, which which look very nice. But um, what what's your general sense uh, among everyday people about the kind of economic outlook of the country? Yeah, Latvia can be a bit of an enigma at times because when you look at it, since Latvia has left the USSR back in 1991, it has mostly reported quite high economic growth rates by European standards. I mean, we know there was a period from about 2008 onwards for a couple of years where it took a big dive, but most of its history since um, becoming an independent country has been quite high economic growth rates, but that hasn't been matched by very high standards of living of the people here. Uh, people here are still quite poor by European Union standards. And th this is sort of a thing where sometimes I feel that maybe the average Latvian citizen doesn't get to participate in those spectacular growth rates as much as the uh, economic elite of this country do. That, that's, that's a concern thing, because really, still for ordinary Latin people, Latvian people, life is quite hard. They have to really count the pennies. Um, the other thing is, I don't know how sustainable these growth rates are because Latvia is losing people every year, and this is a big problem. Um, there's no signs the birth rate is going to shoot up. There's no signs that the death rate is going to lower. And there's an annual emigration rate of people leaving the country. And I really think th there's going to be this point in time where a high economic growth is not going to be sustainable if you're losing people all the time. I think this is really something the government needs to address in a very big way. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's something that we talk about quite a bit on the show. I mean, there's no real kind of magic solution in terms of the uh, negative population growth because even in the uh, you know kind of strongest uh, European economies, this is a problem that's endemic uh, kind of everywhere in, in in the Western world. And uh, you know, again, there's different perspectives because you know, in terms of sustainability. Uh, you know, we, we can't, uh, the planet just can't sustain endless amount of uh, population growth either. So, you know, there's a few perspectives uh, by which to look at this, but uh, but definitely, um, you know, it's uh, something that we'll, we'll always be talking about. So in terms of the economy, you know, again, overall kind of positive news, uh, but, uh, you know, a, a little bit tempered kind of expectations. Um, few last quick stories. So uh, first, this one is one kind of uh, dear to my heart because I, I have an obsession with uh, skyscrapers. And uh, for those of you who have been in Latvia the last few years, you've noticed that slowly but surely, 
there are these two glass cylindrical towers that have been growing on the very corner of Augenskalns. Um, so this is the Pardog of a region of Riga, so the other side of the river from um, Old Town in, in the center of Riga. Uh, these are called Z Towers. And uh, this was part of a major development plan for that region of the city, uh, especially around Chipsala, which is the uh, island right there. And um, the only kind of major uh, buildings that were built uh, were Z Towers. Uh, most of the other buildings in the area that were planned, uh, they uh, after the 2008 financial crisis, um, they uh, th- those plans were abandoned. But uh, Z Towers have been uh, slowly but surely being built over the last, uh, you know, almost 14 years at this point. They uh, began construction in 2006. And uh, so the major kind of development that happened here is that uh, the construction board is complaining that Mayor Burovs, so Oleg Burovs, who uh, took over as uh, Mayor of Riga a couple months ago, that um, they, uh, the, the, the city has been um, placing political pressure on them to finish as quickly as possible. And um, so apparently they want the uh, government to get involved um, and the uh, state police, the anti-graph bureau, they've sent official letters to um, Chris, uh, I think that you, uh, the entire time you've been in Latvia, have probably seen these buildings slowly grow as well. At least I have. I've been here since 2013. I remember when I first came here, there were basically just these big uh, concrete shells. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not they will actually be um, completed ever. Uh, they, they basically are done at this point. They just need to be um, commissioned. Uh, you, you do see lights in there. Um, but but what, what is your uh, take on the story? Yeah, it's interesting. My understanding is these towers, uh, they are the property of one uh, Yuri Scheffler, who is um, a very rich man from Russia. I think he lives in the United Kingdom. I'm not sure exactly where he lives. He possibly moves around a bit. He's actually quite a controversial character in Russia. Uh, Russian government has actually been pursuing him through the courts in various countries, and they even pursued him through the Australian courts at one stage. Uh, there's no sort of controversy surrounding him. Uh, the thing that really I would have to ask is why does Mayor Burovs care so much? Like, why this is a private enterprise activity? Why is the mayor getting so heavily involved in this? This is something I'm a little confused about, and why he would sort of be approaching the board with such a um, heavy-handed approach involving what amounts to police and everything. Um, this this is something that would be of concern to me. I would really love to hear what his reason for that is. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure we will be hearing about this again um, in the coming weeks. Uh, last story really quickly. So uh, in the district of uh, Pereli, which is um, kind of the very western part of Lokgale, Latvia's eastern region, uh, Pereli is basically kind of like the first part of Lokgale that you really drive through when you're coming from, um, the, uh, from the west of Latvia. Uh, so their district offices have been uh, searched by uh, agents of Knob, which is the state's anti-corruption bureau, um, there was uh, information received by Knob, according to uh, LSM, that uh, there were um, some falsifications involved in the renovation of the district council building, and uh, specifically one of the people of interest was uh, district council chair Marta uh, Plivda um, from the Latgale party. At least she was identified by um, LTV, which is, uh, again, Latvian public television. So, Again, just, you know, um, th- this has been kind of a pattern of stories where there's been uh, different investigation of uh, investigations by Knob into some of the local governments outside of Riga. Uh, you know, again, going back about, you know, um, couple, almost half a year at this point when I interviewed uh, Uldis Dumich from the um, uh, Zemgali NVO Center, you know, he kind of predicted that there would start to be more of these uh, kind of actions by Knob uh, for local governments outside of Riga. And we've really been seeing this happen really since then. I mean, there's been uh, at least a, a dozen or so of these kinds of uh, actions. So uh, any surprise here, Chris? And do, do you think that Knob will continue to be uh, as active as it has been in the past uh, year and a half or so? It's definitely been very clear in the past year and a half. Uh, Knob has um, grown teeth, so to speak, and they've been far more active than they were in the past in um, trying to prosecute or detect and prosecute acts of corruption or financial misappropriations. While I can't comment directly on the Prelude case, um, I can only assume that something has made that agency pick up momentum and they'll continue to. But uh, as you probably know with my personal views, I sometimes think there were slightly more powerful people 
they could come down a little bit heavier than like when I talk to local Latvians, there's a general perception that there's some very rich and powerful people in this country who possibly stolen Latvian assets. And it's not just a few people who say this, a lot of people say it. And I'm just waiting to see when the attention is drawn to the more powerful people in the nation. It's not enough just to catch out someone who's pocketed 100 euros here and there. They should be really going after the big fish in the pond, I think. Well, uh, anyway, you know, as we've said, it's a positive move that uh, at least uh, qu- quite a bit more has been done recently than it has been in the past. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, these big fish, as you mentioned, uh, will uh, will also uh, have their day at the end of the day. So anyway, um, that's just about it for the uh, domestic stories. Uh, let's go over to Otto and Olevs to hear about uh, some international stories and then also about the very important week in history of uh, Lodzplash, Indiana. Hello to all listeners of Latvia Weekly from New York. Here are your special correspondents, Olaf Snickers and Otto Tabuns. We have had a busy couple of days giving guest lectures in Marist College, New York, located in the beautiful Hudson River Valley. How you can focus on your readings with that view, we don't know. <laughs> but on behalf of the Baltic Security Foundation, we had a great talk with American students about Baltic and European security. This is made possible with the help of the Jameson Foundation and the Baltic American Freedom Foundation. But now we have to talk about important news that we wanted to discuss with you. And uh, let's start uh, with the important uh, financial news. As the finance ministers of the six EU countries, Latvia, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands and Spain have called for joint mechanism to fight money laundering. They explained that money laundering, similarly as terrorism financing, has a cross-border character, so the efforts of any single country may not be enough. The ministers have sent the text of this call to the Vice President of the European Commission, Valdis Dombrovskis. And I think that uh, this is an important development and would be useful uh, to not only uh, the Baltic country Latvia, which is uh, mentioned in the countries that supported this, but also something that the Scandinavian countries should consider, remembering their important role in the financial system of the whole region. Uh, these challenges uh, of uh, money laundering uh, after we experienced our banking uh, scandal in Latvia last year, we also discussed within the Baltic Security Strategy Project and one of the main find- findings were that we should uh, consolidate our efforts uh, among the Baltic countries and with the all the Baltic Sea countries and with Scandinavia. And uh, so this development uh, will uh, hopefully will help uh, in this regard a lot. Yeah, and so we are glad that our findings have been shared at least in their thoughts by uh, some decision makers. Right. Uh, in response uh, to proposed European Union sanctions against Turkey for exploratory drilling in the disputed Cyprus territory, the Turkish president Erdogan has threatened to release the captured Islamic State fighters and send them to Europe. So apparently Turkey is going away from a constructive relationship with the European Union and voices to reconsider the Turkish role in other international engagements with the Euro-Atlantic countries are expected to grow stronger. Uh, I think this is certainly something that the European Union has to uh, look closely at uh, because that is not an easy threat to have. And of course, we have to support uh, Cyprus as it is a member of the European Union and we have the solidarity among the EU members. And uh, to hear a response like this to uh, proposed sanctions, which might put uh, in jeopardy uh, the security of uh, some of our fellow member states, that's certainly not acceptable. And hopefully uh, our representatives can uh, inform Turkey and show our stance that uh, that is the way how it uh, should be. I'm really worried, like really concerned about uh, how Turkey is, is acting and, and, and what Turkey is doing uh, for the past month. Uh, this is not the first time uh, when, 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 when Turkey is kind of undermining uh, cohesion of the, of the collective security and transatlantic relationship. Uh, so uh, hopefully this will change. Exactly. Uh, And if we look uh, uh, a bit uh, closer to the same region, uh, we have to look at uh, Moldova, where the government has fallen. 
uh, after the pro-Russia Socialist Party called a non-confidence vote after not accepting the mandate uh, the Prime Minister had to choose the Prosecutor General without the consultation with the other parties of the coalition. And this is certainly a tough time for Moldova, as only in June this year they were able to form a government following five months of talks, well, almost as much as they had in Latvia. Uh, but now uh, Moldova will have to uh, start all over again. And we have to remember that Moldova is important for the regional security as it contains Transnistria, a testament of one of the frozen conflicts around the Black Sea from the 1990s, involving Russian troop presence, and uh, that is also a neighboring country of Ukraine, uh, so certainly a quite uh, hot region if we talk from the perspective of international relations. And now uh, let's continue uh, to our week in history, which is indeed a very important week, uh, as we remember the November 11th, 1919, uh, which is the large pleasure day. And uh, this year it is the centennial of uh, this day, which was the greatest Latvian military victory so far, as the Latvian army outnumbered in troops, armored vehicles and artillery was able to defeat uh, the Russian and German uh, forces led by uh, Bermont uh, and the front line was right by the Daugava River. On the one side you had the Latvian army, on the other side you had the troops of Bermont. And uh, we were also uh, very uh, happy that uh, some uh, allied forces uh, did express their support and showed their uh, support in practical sense. Those were the uh, French and British uh, ships and you had the uh, French, British and Irish uh, soldiers there. So that was important so that uh, Bermont was not able to do a maneuver and outmaneuver us from the other side. Uh, but certainly that was not only the matter of numbers, but also the matter of a will and our will to uh, get our independence uh, and to put it firmly uh, in the avenue of history was much stronger than the will of the uh, former troops of the uh, Russian and German imperial armies that had perhaps uh, a more um, materialistic uh, view on what they might achieve of, uh, of getting the Latin independence down. So on this day, we remember uh, not only this uh, a really great victory for us, but also we remember all soldiers who have fought for Latvia and who have uh, done their job in uh, providing security, uh, not only uh, within Latvia and around it, but also uh, globally, uh, with uh, Latvia being a good partner uh, to our allied countries and participating in international missions in Iraq, Afghanistan, Mali and others. Okay, uh, thank you so much, Otto and Olavs. That was uh, very interesting to hear uh, the history of Lodge Place Udiana in uh, such uh, kind of uh, succinct and, and, and good detail. Uh, so I, I hope that you guys um, uh, learned something from that. Uh, also, uh, just want to mention, you know, uh, we haven't really mentioned this in the show so far, kind of surprisingly, but uh, this coming Monday is going to be the 18th of November, which is Latvian Independence Day. So Latvia will be turning 101 years old. So congratulations, uh, Latvia. Um, and uh, there's going to be, I mean, you know, normally we do a week in the future segment in terms of some events that are going on, but basically, you know, like, a, like just pick one. I mean, you know, anywhere you are in Latvia, um, there are going to be major events for the 18th of November, no matter what city you are in, no matter how big or small. So definitely get out and uh, celebrate. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining me from Liapaya uh, and also so late at night. Uh, do you have any last words you'd like to say to people before we go? Yeah, just one little thing in, in reference to Latvia's Independence Day, which will be celebrated on Monday next week, 18th of November. I want to make it very clear to all and sundry out there, my strong personal view that the Republic of Latvia not only came into birth on the 18th of November 1918, it had, has existed continuously since then right up to now. There is never a time when the Republic of Latvia ceased to exist. There's some people who try to say otherwise, but it's not true. Under international law, it has been a continuous existence. I would like to wish Latvia a very happy birthday, and may there be hundreds of years more of an independent Republic of Latvia. 
Yeah, and uh, I just want to say that Otto and I uh, wholeheartedly agree as, as well. Um, you know about what you just said right there. So um, I don't think you could put it any better than the way you just did. So thank you so much, Chris. Thank all of you also for uh, listening in. If you enjoyed the show, uh, then please. Uh, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can also leave us a review, a rating as well. It would be very helpful. Uh, you can also, uh, if you want to go to the uh, Lot Me Weekly Facebook page, you can be updated every day of the week. We have uh, our awesome team of Andrew and Carlos who are updating the page every day with different stories to keep you informed throughout the week. And uh, for since I guess we won't see you until uh, after Independence Day, have a very happy Independence Day, a happy 18th of November. And until next week, peace, love, and peace, yeah.